y'all. I'm Meg Kirsted, and this is the Black Sheep Playground podcast. We're here to have some fun, learn a ton about how to actually be a human, and question the idea that there's a right way to live your life. Because I'm pretty sure there are a whole bunch of ways to thrive. So let's go play. Hello, everybody. It's Meg Kirstead, your resident human behavior expert, um, and this is the Black Sheep Playground podcast. And I'm I'm in a good mood today. I've had a pretty decent past week. My birthday was last week. Um, I was born on November second. Um, an anecdote I shared actually on social media, which really sort of sums up who I am in a nutshell, is that I was very mad for much of my childhood that I wasn't born on Halloween um, because I'm two days after. And supposedly my mom's due date was supposed to be Halloween. So I was very mad at my mother as if she consciously chose to have me two days late um, that I wasn't born on Halloween because I believed if I was born on Halloween, that would make me much more special and make me much more likely to have magical powers because everyone knows the protagonist in the book, like, they, they have some sort of special birth that was, you know, foretold and someone will be born on Halloween. Anyway, <laughs> so I I believe this and um, it's not like I was a particularly gullible kid. In fact, um, I probably by like first or second grade was uh, <laughs> very skeptical. I, I knew Santa Claus wasn't real. Um, I definitely didn't believe in God, which is a very fascinating thing we're not going to get into today, but uh, but I really wanted to believe in magic. Um, I read a lot of fantasy books, so um, I had a fabulous birthday. I felt very loved. Um, it was very low-key, but it turns out I'm really easy to, to make happy, um, which is one of those things that I'm, I'm actually working on, is having higher expectations, but... All this to say, I'm actually pretty excited to talk to you about nervous system states today um, because this is something that I've really been delving into. Um, I'm actually currently sort of, I guess, casually taking a course through MIT's open courseware on um, sort of uh, psychological neuroscience, um, which really sort of links like physical brain stuff to and nervous system stuff to the mind and emotions and all the things that essentially, you know, are our human experience and reality. So I've been really going deep into the science because I'm a nerd and I do this on my free time. Like this is the kind of stuff I'll do at night afterwards. But I also really think this this um, is missing from a lot of discussions I see about behavior change or understanding why we do the things we do or don't do, you know, mental health, you know, there's a lot of talk about conscious stuff, you know, the thoughts we have, the emotions we experience, this is often very conscious, we, we can notice them. But um, I see, I've seen less connecting the sort of conscious stuff to some of the unconscious stuff, which essentially amounts to your nervous system and what happens in the background that you aren't even conscious of. And um, this will continue to be a theme on this particular podcast because uh, I truly believe the more you understand about how something works and why you are the way that you are, the better able you're to go out and actually apply um, skills to actually affect 
affect the world or even just understand yourself. It's really cool to understand what's going on in your brain and your body and your nervous system. And I wish this was something they actually taught more in school because it really, the more I learn about it, the more I really understand myself. Um, and I do have a, um, I have, it's interesting, I have like such a cobblestone of education in a lot of different areas. Um, I feel like I'm just filling in some of the gaps, but um, sort of the like neuro, neuroscience piece, not the psychological piece, the neuroscience piece is something that, you know, I've been really delving into. And I want to share some of that with you today, particularly around how it affects um, decision making and habits, because a lot of what clients come to me trying to engage with are like habit formation or habit change um, or, you know, just feeling better. And a lot of it boils down to to either changing behavior or learning to accept behavior, things along those lines. And it turns out your nervous system is a fundamental part of this process. We can't just think about how you know, our thoughts and our beliefs, um, you know, the conscious part of our brain affects these decisions and affects our habits, we also need to think about all the stuff that that the more, quote, primitive part of our brains, I, okay, maybe old part of our brains, I, I said this last week, primitive is, makes it sound less sort of intelligent, whereas as it turns out, it's, it's been around longer and it is very evolutionary strong, in fact, um, uh, some very prominent psychologists actually call it, you know, the the most intelligent part of our brains. But the part that's been around longer and is more automatic and less conscious. So, so it's a it's a bit of a blur line. But we're gonna uh, use the dichotomy of conscious versus unconscious. We're gonna talk about unconscious stuff today and how um, our nervous system actually affects how we feel and how we act. I want to start out our discussion of this with an illustrative story that I remember when I first heard it, I like had a sinking horrible feeling in my stomach because it, it, it's appalling in a lot of ways. But um, it really illustrates how important our unconscious nervous system state, sort of the, the mechanisms that, um, you know, are related to hunger and arousal and um, sensory input, all of these things how they really affect what we do, even if we don't know it, because so much of this is stuff that we don't realize we're doing. So um, there was a study, and let me get out my notes, um, and it was in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, so very legit journal. They were looking at uh, parole decisions of judges in Israel. So the way it works in Israel is by default, a parole petition is denied. Only 35% of parole uh, petitions are approved. And it's a simple sort of yes or no. And on average, they spend six minutes on each decision. And uh, it was a good thing to study because they not only record the decision, but they record the exact time it's made, like the decision is made. And they record the times when the judges actually go and eat and take breaks. So uh, they take, I believe, three meal breaks per day. And what they found was the rate of approval of parole petitions was very much affected by how proximate 
a particular mealtime break was. So let me be more specific. So right after a meal break, so say like right after lunch, on average, a parole petition would be approved about 65% of the time. Then time would elapse and that rate would continue to go down. And in a, right before the next break, so you can imagine um, essentially they've been working for a long peri- longer period of time. They also haven't eaten in a while. Um, the rate of approval is close to zero. So if you are someone who's getting, who has a parole petition, your, <laughs> this really just is so appalling, your likelihood of success is very much correlated with when your particular petition is seen and how close it is to a, a meal break. Like I almost flipped the table when I, and when I read about this study and um, it, it, I think it's very powerful because it illustrates a few things. One, understanding psychology and social science research is incredibly important for thinking about big systemic issues. <laughs> we know this already, but I really just like, whew, that really illustrates why this kind of stuff is incredibly important. It also shows how people who we think of as experienced professionals, because these are people who their their job is to, to, you know, look at these parole petitions all the time. These are highly trained people, highly educated, how even they are greatly affected by the state of their nervous system. And I'm sure they did not realize it. Um, I'm not sure what... Um, <laughs> What things we've done to hopefully fix this, because um, this was done a while ago, um, but I'm, I'm hoping that Israel has actually thought about this. But even people who have very l- traditionally thought of as logical, professional minds are very much affected by this unconscious stuff that's happening in the background, and we don't even realize it. How, how nuts is that? This study was specifically done because they were doing research about glucose levels and essentially glucose levels in the brain and, and how it affects decision making. So it was very specific, but I do think it is generally illustrative of how whenever we're thinking about your, our own behavior change and our own behaviors and our own experiences, we want to be thinking not only of the conscious parts, the parts of our brain that are, say, you know, more human human intelligent, we want to also be thinking about the neurobiological things that are happening in the background that might affect our conscious decisions. I can't go into all of the examples of how this is relevant. Like I, this will probably be a bunch of podcast episodes <laughs> over the course of time. Uh, but what I really want to talk about today is a phenomenon that I've seen in myself and a lot of the people I work with. I've probably worked with you know, a couple hundred people at this point, um, many of whom express that toward the end of the day, they end up having some sort of like energetic crash. And unsurprisingly, it makes them less able to do the things in the evenings that they want to, especially because most of us tend to do work 
earlier in the day and then say later in the day whether it's afternoons and evenings would be the time that we'd be doing things like exercising or cooking or painting or any of these things that are like for us and not for work now I'm a big proponent of sort of upending that particular model and like incorporating that throughout the day one of the reasons being that the end of the day, your the state of your nervous system is going to be less primed for complex decision making, for habit change, for for eating well, for working out, for all these things, because essentially you've depleted a lot of the resources that make your nervous system able to more easily adapt and learn. Here are some concrete ways that this manifests. Um, I think I've mentioned nighttime snacking in some of our recent episodes on eating. Um, nighttime snacking, I swear, is something I have personally been working on for a couple of years. Not because there's any moral thing, but honestly, just because I feel worse when I do it and the kind of food I'm eating tends to make me physically feel less good. It does. Um, and um, I, I sleep less well. I, I now have that data from my Whoop, which is um, a wearable device that I love and I'm sure I'll talk more about at some point. Um, it, it really has demonstrated that I sleep less well. So nighttime snacking, I have been trying to crack this particular nut for multiple years. I am someone who literally does stuff around <laughs> behavior change and self-acceptance and all of these kind of things professionally. Like it's my job to learn and do these things. And it's still taking me this much time. So here's what would happen. I would get to, oh, 7 or 8 p.m. Um, for me, this was sort of the pattern. I'd be watching TV, sitting on the couch, um, and I'd be pretty gassed. I, I am definitely someone whose energy really dips towards the end of the day. And, and um, particularly after I have done some intense brain work, I will end up being kind of a vegetable. So I would, it would get to be seven or eight o'clock and almost without thinking, and this is, this is important, almost without thinking because it was a habit, because it was very strong ingrained neural pathways, I'd go to the kitchen and get some snacks. Now, there absolutely are conscious processes happening here. It's not entirely a muscle memory thing. The muscle memory happens in the brain. Fun fact. Uh, so what's essentially happening is that my unconscious mind is driving the bus. And even if it isn't driving the bus, it is probably the one giving directions. It's, in a lot of ways, in control. And the more depleted or stressed our nervous system is, the more likely that the unconscious parts of our brain or our nervous system are going to be having a stronger influence. Ever go grocery shopping while hungry? Notice how you spend a lot more money on things you maybe wouldn't normally buy? Yeah, that's because of the state of your nervous system and it affects the decisions you make. Or how about that feeling when your house has just been cleaned or even a room has just been cleaned and everything's in its place? It seems easier to do things. That's because it is. Uh, your brain is primed to be constantly taking in sensory data and looking for things that are out of place, things that, you know, are are different because different things are things that you want, might want to pay attention to. And when there are fewer literal physical objects that your 
eyes are seeing, you're having to process less information. Your brain's having to do less work. It is actually easier to do things. So once again, (laughs) these are the kind of things that affect the state of our nervous system when we don't even realize it. Now, you could hear this and decide, well, fuck, free will is an illusion. Why do I even bother? (laughs) Or, or you could realize that you can use this to your advantage. Once you understand some of the things that are maybe affecting you, you can strategically set up your environment, set up your behaviors, think about your energy levels, timing, all these kind of things such that you can make your life a lot easier, which is one of the things that I'm a big fan of. This might seem complicated, but it's not if we boil it down. Namely, the state of your nervous system, whether activated you are, tired you are, hungry you are, all these things, affect what you think, feel, and do. It's really that simple. And you don't need to know all of them. You don't need to even interact with all of them to take advantage of this fact. This is just another lens to add to your self-awareness toolkit. You don't have to be worrying about it all the time. It doesn't have to be something you're hypervigilant about. It's just something that you can look at when maybe the conscious thoughts you're thinking don't seem to fully explain what you're doing or if you seem to have conscious thoughts that are almost unexplainable, (laughs) that's when you want to start thinking about, wait, is there something happening in the background that might be affecting how, how I think, how I feel, what I do? So here's another example from my life because I have consent to share things from my life, whereas clients, I I don't. So I I generally try not to do it, um, uh, even abstractly, unless I have permission. Anyway, uh, I am not a crier, generally speaking. I am not someone who cries even when I'm feeling really intense emotions. I, I think I'm just an inward processor. I'm actually curious if there's research out there on why some people cry more than others. And I don't think it's because I'm repressing my emotions or anything. I've thought about this quite a bit because I'm me. But if I'm really tired, particularly if it's the middle of the night, I am much more likely to like get to the point where I have like really, really hilarious, gross crying, like the sobbing into a pillow kind of crying. It's either usually in the middle of the night when I'm exhausted and and not sleeping because I do have trouble sleeping or um, it's actually another signal that I have forgotten to take one of my medications. Um, uh, In particular, uh, my my SNRI, which I probably will record a podcast about my experience of of trying to go off it, which I'm in the process of doing right now. But essentially, uh, if I don't take this medication, they're very, symptoms very, very quickly, like within six hours. Um, and I will start getting really irritated and sad for no explainable reason. Um, I've heard a term for this that I love, which is called a neuroemotion. It's emotion that isn't created by sort of your experience. It's literally just because of fucking chemicals in your head. So both of these happen because of the state of my nervous system. Something, you know, is different that makes me more susceptible to crying. So now that I've built that awareness, it means that when these things happen, like if I am, you know, really emotional in the middle of the night, one of the things I do is remind myself, like, 
this is probably because you're tired. Doesn't mean anything's wrong. Doesn't mean you change anything. Just like cry. And then you'll probably eventually go to sleep and tomorrow you'll feel much better. Like all the thoughts that you're having are not necessarily things you need to do anything about because one of the reasons you're feeling so emotional is because you're so exhausted. Or in the case of the uh, the medicine, one of the first signals to me now is like if I get really emotional, I will actually think, wait, did I take my medicine this morning? <laughs> it also allows you to adapt the things you're trying to change in a way that recognizes and honors the state your nervous system is in. So for example, with my nighttime snacking, I had to be able to sustainably do things even when I'm tired, even when my brain feels like a vegetable, even when I don't want to get up from the couch except to go to the kitchen to get some popcorn. I needed to have a way of changing that behavior that honored the fact that I was not going to be at my most conscious, aware, brilliant self. I was going to be the, you know, couch version of myself. I was going to be the hermit version of myself. And if I just blindly used a lot of the tools to try to change my nighttime snacking without taking that into account, it wasn't going to work. And that's what happened for a long period of time. I was I was trying to essentially use things that are more effective when your conscious mind is more in control. I feel like at this point I should do the like the more you know do 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 do. I don't know. <laughs> there was a, for those of us of a certain age there was a graphic you might have seen it. It was a star. I don't remember which particular station. It might have been multiple TV stations, but essentially after like PSAs, they would do this thing like the more you know do 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 do. Um which is really what I just want you to take away from this today. You don't you don't need to do anything, but this perspective of recognizing and honoring the parts of you that aren't the conscious parts of your brain is just as important as honoring the conscious parts of your brain. Because guess what? The unconscious parts are incredibly powerful, perhaps even more powerful than the parts of our brains that make us the dominant species on planet Earth. Alrighty, so that's what we have for this week. Uh, I look forward to continuing our deep dive into nervous system stuff. I have a suspicion that's going to continue <laughs> to make an appearance on this podcast. For the record, the reason I'm talking like this is in a very uncertain way is that until I record a podcast, I don't actually always know what it's going to be about. I have no like roadmap or anything, which I'm sure is going to cause some of you to gasp and clutch your pearls, um, which is okay. That is another podcast for another day. So I'll talk to you soon. Hey friend, if you want to learn how to work with your weird brain instead of against it, you should definitely join the Black Sheep Playground. You'll learn how to create your own template of success without any of the hustle, overwork, pressure, or guilt, and you're gonna do it by having way more fun. Play is a core part of what we do. Oh, and in case you weren't sold, there's loot and glitter and ridiculous sheep jokes. Uh, you can find all the details in the show notes, so I'll see you there.
Thank you.